0: The waste that you find in your organization, the problems you're seeing in your organization, that's the gold. All we're doing is solving for our critical business challenges using a different way of doing it thinking differently about how. Using native services, microservices on patterns, leveraging these new technologies. It's not something that you do on the side. It's something that we all need to go and do. We just need to be really, really stubborn on not just doing it the way we used to know how to do it.
1: Smart Manufacturing is all about adapting new technology in new ways to automate the shop floor and its extended supply chain. In today's episode, you'll learn three tips for adopting new technologies and strategies for creating a company culture that values innovation and taking calculated risks. Welcome to Industrial Insights, an original podcast by Amazon Web Services. I'm your host, Caroline Lawrence. Every month I'll be taking a deep dive into a real industrial business challenge and interviewing a transformative leader who solved it. I'll uncover the data-driven insights you need to make your life and job easier. You can find all episodes of Industrial Insights on our website or through your favorite streaming platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So to start off, I'd like to welcome our first guest to the show. Magnus Akesson, CIO of GE Power. Magnus, can you give us a quick background on GE and what you do in your role there?
0: I'm with uh, I'm with GE Gas Power, and uh, we design, build, install uh, gas turbine and power plant equipment uh, really uh, around the world. So we uh, produce gas turbines, steam turbines, generators, auxiliary equipment uh, for power plants, and um, Within uh, GES Power, we have a, a large network of uh, manufacturing facilities. Uh, they're in the business of doing all of this uh, manufacturing. And uh, uh, within that, I own uh, a lot of the systems and processes that uh, need to be continuously improved to improve our journey towards safety, quality, cost, and delivery. So. Things like ERP systems, MES systems, a lot of operations technology, a lot of advanced automation, data science, algorithmic
1: automation. Those are all things that uh, filled my day and uh, which I'm very passionate about. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And it's really exciting to have you. Thanks for having me. And with that, I'd also like to welcome Michelle Putnick. Michelle is our AWS expert on today's topic, who will help guide and lead this conversation. So, Michelle, can you tell us briefly what you do in your role at AWS?
2: Sure. My pleasure. So, my name is Michelle Putnick, and I um, am worldwide responsible for uh, business development within, uh, within manufacturing and, and, I guess, specific focus on industrials. So, um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me.
1: It is so great to have both of you guys here on the show, and now is also a good time for us to get started and dive into so many of these questions that I've written for you. So to start off, it would be really great to understand where we are right now with the state of technology in the industry. And Magnus, you know, from your perspective, where do you see us right now?
0: I think it's uh, honestly, I I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be alive because technology has finally arrived to the shop floor in a way where it is scalable and that where the part of the possible, if you will, has 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 jumped leaps and bounds from where it was uh, only a decade or even I've seen even say five years ago. So I think we're at this um, at the cusp of this step change where technology has gotten to the point where it's no longer the barrier. Or reimagining what you do on the shop floor and how you automate the shop floor so it's it's again it's it's a major barrier that has uh, in my mind again is behind us but we have some incredibly difficult challenges ahead of us as well in terms of adoption and learning how to use them and deploy them in the right
1: way interesting and when you say that technology is no longer the barrier what do you mean by that
0: so if i come back to Uh, this world of industrial automation. uh, It was, uh, it came about in the 1970s. Initial protocols were created like Modbus and uh, you were able to connect one machine to another and multiple machines to another to talk to each other. PLCs were created and simple um, ways to program a PLC uh, were created like uh, the concept of ladder programming, which is very, very visual and doesn't require one to write code all that actually started in the 70s and 80s but back then it was very proprietary very closed, a very um, a world very very separate from the world of it and what has happened today if you fast forward 30 40 years a lot of the fundamental concepts remain the same the plc's are still there going strong of course but the way that you can deploy uh, automation on the shop floor using IT technologies, being edge capabilities, being the ability to ingest massive data sets, and visualize that data in real time and to drive automation through, say, advanced machine learning algorithms, algorithms for example. The, the, the way that IT um, has arrived to the world of OT is really what is driving this revolution.
1: That's a really good point. And I'm curious when you say there's so much opportunity in front of us and it sounds like an exciting time, but do you feel like organizations are taking full advantage of this?
0: No, not at all. I think uh, that's the big uh, conundrum uh, and challenge for uh, for the decade to come to truly realize the power and the potential of Industry 4.0, smart manufacturing, uh, what have you. Uh, that again, I think is our biggest challenge moving ahead.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And to that point, Michelle, I want to bounce this question off of you too. From your perspective at AWS, are you seeing this as well? That organizations have the opportunity to do more.
2: Yeah, I, I completely share that. You know, perspective that Magnus has. I mean, he's clearly in in the midst of it and, and owns. Uh, you know, a lot of this uh, of this challenge. Uh, it's you know, it's right in front of him. And I guess you know, for many organizations out there, it, it seems to be difficult to see where where to begin, where the value is. Oftentimes, you know, you you may be living in a culture where failure is is not you know let's say uh, allowed or or not necessarily a you know a good thing. Look, I failed, but this requires a lot of I think you know culture change as well. You you have to allow for. Or failure to uh, to kind of move uh, move uh, move the move the bar, uh, innovate more, see where where differences where it will be made, see where you know efficiency improvements will be made, whether it's tied to uh, to sustainability or quality or yield or any other metric that you are seeking to improve. Uh, now now that said, uh, you know what 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 I have observed is 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 maybe a um, a lacking of a of a strategy, if you will, uh, for the most part. There's no lack of will necessarily, but uh, I think there's a lack of strategy. What I mean by that is, uh, why are we doing things? Why are we doing things in a particular order? What are the expected outcomes that that, that we're driving towards? I think that is is uh, a little bit missing. What I do see is a you know a lot of proof of concepts and and many of them succeed and do not continue for some reason some uh, some fail and do not continue for obvious reasons but i don 't see them tied necessarily to a grander scheme or a grander outcome or a grander strategy so i 'm kind of missing. Missing that. uh, I'm kind of missing that point, I guess.
1: Yeah. And Magnus, maybe you can provide some insight here. You know, what is limiting organizations from adopting new technologies? What's holding them back? I think there is
0: this uh, saying of you can't see what you don't know. And I Mm. think there to to Michelle's point, everybody's really focused on core operational metrics, safety, quality, delivery, costs. And a plant manager and and the leadership in the plants, for example, they they are primarily focused on getting parts out the door uh, and doing it again, doing it at the right cost and what well, keep people, people safe and so on. So, how do you bridge the uh, the gap, if you will, that exists today between how can technology really impact that daily operations in in a positive way? That is is a is a gap that exists because I don't. I think we have, especially us in the IT and OT community, have not done a good enough of a job educating and evangelizing on what is possible through technology. And I, I know it's possible. I, I see. If I were to make an analogy, I see this in the world of Lean all the time, where this fundamental principles of Lean, of Kaizen, and continuous improvement, and eliminating the seven types of waste, and operating in a world that's based on tact uh, and doing visual management. It's a very physical thing uh, mm-hmm. of cultural change on the shop floor, of physically moving machines and changing flows and eliminating waste that people can see and feel and touch. And, and it comes very natural to, to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to the folks on the shop floor. Whereas the world of the technology is still very foreign. To a lot of uh, of of my colleagues on the shop floor, because simply they never learn how to also be a technologist and how to build that digital muscle, if you will, to learn how to apply technologies uh, in different ways on the shop floor to to tackle those very same outcomes, so I think we in the industry have to do a much better job on evangelizing educating. Uh, leading by doing, and uh, really driving that uh, awareness. That at the end of the day, um, everybody has to build that digital muscle, so you so you can see what's possible and embed it in your daily operations.
1: So now we have a better understanding of the current state of technology, and we know the importance of reimagining what's possible. But I think the hard part is figuring out how to get there. So, Magnus, you know, how have you successfully reimagined what's possible at GE? And can you talk about how you've influenced your organization into adopting new technology? Yeah, it, it's been interesting. Uh,
0: there's lots of uh, um Textbook ways to do this uh, that all sound very familiar. I think the difficulties in doing it well. But I come back to uh, thinking big, starting small, scaling fast, uh, doing it in small, small, small steps to bring the organization with you. While to Michelle's point, avo- avoiding this, this um, uh, the curse of the pile of purgatory, if you will, that we end up getting stuck in uh, so often. So, I have found some success uh, in a couple of key ways. And one is, again, just to stay focused on these business targets safety, quality, delivery, and cost. I know it sounds almost simple and, and very straightforward, but as technologists, we often have a tendency to be excited about the technology more so than those business outcomes. And mm-hmm. so, Finding ways to draw the line, a very direct red line between, say, scrap and rework reduction uh, to how you can automate a certain activity on the shop floor to have a material um, impact on a target is is hard work. But you have to be very, very disciplined. And at the same time, uh, do work that, as I like to call it, gives the operator a better day. You have to find ways to deliver tools to the shop floor that really helps the operator to do their job better uh, and and gives them the help that they were looking for, as opposed to what I often see sometimes from uh, various corporate initiatives. that is more about the tool than than uh, than that core philosophy of of really helping the operator having a better day, because when you do, you get the right adoption and the third and final area where I, where i think i've seen some some important uh, lessons learned is you know most industrial manufacturers have an incredible amount of legacy i mean i personally have systems uh, mainframes from the 60s still 70s 80s wow. <laughs> <laughs> every decade uh, is still represented on our shop floors and that legacy is holding us back hmm. it's so passive so monolithic that just learning or, or trying to figure out where to start, it's just really overwhelming. But in our partnership with AWS, I think we've seen a, a huge, uh, hugely capable tool in our toolbox, which is cloud native services at the edge in the cloud. That you compose into uh, small digital capabilities using microservices design patterns there's allowing us to tackle that legacy in small steps and delivering outcomes along the way. And we never had that before. We've always been struggling with taking one monolith, replacing with another on a modern tech stack. And that is has been the real game changer. It's giving us this business agility uh, and the flexibility we need to really tackle this in small, small, small steps and getting real
1: outcomes along the way. As a leader, what did you learn about the culture of your company through this? You know, you mentioned it was overnight. So that to me sounds like you got everybody on board quickly to accept this, which is quite an accomplishment. Um, How did you do that? Can you talk through your process? I think the most important part is this idea of
0: collaboration and mission based teams where all the functions come together, being very focused on the outcome. You park your titles, your roles uh, at the door. You bring your skills to the table and you work collaboratively in this digital uh, and physical world of where you take a physical process on the shop floor and you reimagine it uh, through all the different skill sets that come to the table. The quality engineer, the design engineer, the developer, the OT engineer, everybody has to work together and unlearn some of the things they they, uh, knew from the past to rethink how to do it again, using cloud-native services. So that is, it's that teamwork and mission-based team structures that really make the difference between going fast, getting outcomes, getting an excitement organization, getting it right uh, quickly. Uh, that that to me is is number one.
1: I love how you just said unlearning what you know. I think that's really interesting. And what do you mean by that? How could someone unlearn what they know?
0: Yeah, it's... uh. I mean, I grew up uh, 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 in, in, in a world where the, the, the mainframes were still there and client servers were still there. And you learn how to think about, say, IT architecture in a certain way. And that thinking, those design patterns for how you build an IT system uh, is what's resulted in this majestic mountain of monoliths that we now have. Uh, on the shop floor, as compared to the new ways of thinking, you, you, leveraging native services to drive productivity within your your uh, within the, and across your teams, and desi- designing digital capabilities using this microservices architecture. Which is a very, very different way of thinking—not just from a business capability perspective, how you affect change in the shop floor, but also how you design them technically. And if you don't unlearn that monolithic thinking, it's going to cloud your ability to re- totally reimagine how you would how you would uh, uh, do it differently. So, to me, unlearning is a is a huge part of of this change. And again, in industrials. Uh, we have a long way to go. I, I read, an, ex- I read a, an interesting statistic about Amazon.com uh, just the other day, where in 2015, Amazon.com put a change in production every 11.2 seconds. which is just wow, inc- I didn't even
2: know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's insane. And how did they do that? Because of microservices design patterns across its entire supply chain. On the front end on the back end across the whole organization industrials have yet to unlearn the old monolithic thinking and again redo what we're doing using those kinds of design patterns so that we can drive similar kinds of agility uh, within those four walls of the factory.
2: Hey, Magnus, uh, I want to pick up on something you said there. You know, you're talking about these services and you're you're speaking of them for native services. You're speaking of them as if you are very much a I mean, by definition, you know, within your company, you, you are builders, you, you build stuff. But it sounds to me that th- you're taking a very builder centric approach also to this particular problem uh, or challenge that you that you face now there are off-the-shelf solutions you know in this context there are some you know platforms that you may be able to use and extend with off-the-shelf solutions but you are you're choosing to build for the most part is is what i'm hearing is that is that is that true or am i just imagining things
0: i know i think that's uh very accurate uh, that whole balance is shifting a lot more towards
2: buy versus sell for, for some very specific reasons. Absolutely. And you have, you know, in that, in that context, if we just stay on that topic for a little bit, you know, what are, what are some of the main reasons for, for you to to look at it this particular way?
0: It's a couple of them. Uh, and, and at first I'm going to say, I'm not against buying things where if it's, let shall we say somewhat commoditized uh, it's a critical digital capability like uh machine monitoring and visualization for example there is a million and one products out there where uh we we, we just don't have the time the teams to go and build uh similar capabilities so there's always the need to insert uh third-party solutions but there's a couple of things here that really uh, are drive is driving me to control a lot of my uh, my future, if you will, by, by building. The first one is just our data. There are thousands of vendors who uh, proclaim, and rightly so, they have the products to be your smart manufacturing platform. Uh, but what happens a lot is that, uh, when you do that, when you invest in someone else's platform, even it may not be the intent always, but you lose control of your data and you start bounding yourself, what you can do with the data with the, within the boundaries of the capabilities of that platform. Uh, and also I see a lot of hardware vendors on the shop floor, they're trying to build their own, uh, uh digital services, uh, business models and move from selling hardware to, uh, you know, selling outcomes and, and services, and so they want your data, so they can sell you back a service. So one reason is I, I just want to own and control my data. And if a third party solution isn't open, doesn't allow me to control my data, I can I can pass it in and out uh, to do some automation? That's great. But if I, again, if I can't own my data, I, I just uh, I, it's a it's a it's a it's a, a no go. It's a showstopper.
1: Why is that? What are the benefits of owning the data?
0: the data is gold Uh, that is everything that we talked about starting with where we started this conversation even with industrial automation in the 70s that's all about automating a process with data Hmm. and you don't know your data if you don't control your data you don't have flexibility for how to automate with that data how you connect it from the shop floor to the enterprise uh you are forever going to be bound in what you can do and again i see too many attempts to own and control your data that makes me uncomfortable putting all of my eggs in some third-party platform. Um, because even it might be easier in the short term, you get more capabilities on the front end, but uh you're not doing an organization that's, I think a favor by by uh by taking that approach. So that's one of two reasons. Two big ones. Uh, the other one is again, this idea of um, It used to be that building applications was hard. You had to stand up infrastructure, you had to have a back end team and a front end team, and data engineers, and all this stuff. You still need those roles, but through native services, there is a complete game change in the productivity of development teams and anybody who uh, wants to learn how to deliver digital capabilities. It's not just for for IT anymore. It's for the whole organization. The native services allows you to configure digital capabilities build uh, mashups and compose different solutions in a way that's hyper customized for your use case and it's no longer this enormous effort that's taking lots of teams and lots of time and costs a lot of money Uh, and so with that evolution you have the opportunity to build more yourself and control your, your, your future, and it's often cheaper, faster, and more effective in terms of outcomes than going uh, off the shelf. So those are two reasons why I see this, this this shifting, and it's interesting. it's only possible because of what happens in the cloud or what's now available in the cloud. In the old world, this was not even would not have been a tenable uh, proposition at all.
1: So far, we've learned how to think differently about technology and manage the data that comes out of it. So I'm sure both of you have some great recommendations on where to get started. So, Michelle, you know, if I'm experiencing the same challenges that Magnus mentioned, how would I get started and what's my first step?
2: Yeah, I think the the first point is to get started. (laughs) That might sound trivial, but there's a lot of, you know, theory and and if you if that's where you're you're stuck and not you know sure as to where to begin, just begin. Uh, the first step is the hardest, but just begin somewhere in some area that you can, you know, to what Magnus just talked about that can be tied to a measurable outcome. So look at the KPIs, look at the reds, not the greens, focus on those reds and see if you can move the dial. I think that's that's kind of number number 1, but just get started. Number 2, I think words matter, you know, in the IT industry and also within manufacturing, we, we talk very often about proof of concepts and 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 proof of concept purgatory and so on. So there's no lack of them. There's there's maybe too many of them. Uh, Proof of concept to me means that I'm not using real data, I'm just validating that, you know, that this thing that I'm embarking on may work, But but I haven't really tried it, you know, for real. So words matter, what I mean by that, as soon as you start talking about pilots, you're using real data. You have a line of sight in to bring this pilot to production because you're using a real foundation, an architecture that you will know uh, will scale beyond one. It will scale, you know, to an entire portfolio of, of plants if you should so choose. So, so think about it from, you know, that perspective. Maybe you don't choose to define it by a word, but at least when you are defining the scope, Think about it from the perspective of I want to prove this with with my data that is being created every single second on the shop floor. And I'm going to run it through this this process. I'm going to run it through this challenge and I'm going to measure what the outcome is. And I'm going to see if it makes a dent, you know, into uh, into one to one of the KPIs that I'm measuring this against. I think that is is critical as as well. Maybe the third thing is. To answer you know why am I doing this am I doing this for one plant am I doing it for the entire portfolio of plants what is my what are the the guardrails if if you will uh, or frameworks that I can rely on what is the strategy that I'm that I'm leaning on to make this happen so I can always answer why 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 are you doing these things well here is the answer crystal clear about what that is so you can you know move on and be productive and solve you know the next problem the next problem the next problem those are probably three things that i would uh that i would recommend
0: i couldn't agree more and and a lot of it has the same themes uh and, and to build on michelle's point of, of words matter i i try hard to not use words like pilots like michelle said or innovation or having a separate innovation team all we're doing is solving for Our our critical business challenge is using a different way of doing it. Thinking differently about how, using native services, microservices on patterns, leveraging these new technologies. It's not something that you do on the side. It's something that we all need to go and do. We just need to be really, really stubborn on not just doing it the way we used to know how to do it. Uh, And as a leader, that's incredibly important to be very stubborn to also be patient because we do that it's going to be overwhelming it's going to be uh, daunting and, and unknowns and stressful and it will take a little longer but to michelle's point once you try it and you do it again you try again you try again it gets easier pretty quick because the productivity benefits again of, of the cloud uh comes at you real fast so uh, so I think that's again that's the key is just being stubborn on uh, doing it differently in everything that you do. And to to in in uh, in Michelle's word, uh, I, I use the word try it, but that's just to go and do. That's because that's how you learn. Uh, and third is that on on talent. Uh, in uh, as someone else uh, used a very good uh, phrase of leave no one behind. Uh, everybody, even if you support that old Mainframe from the 70s, you still have to go and learn how it could be done differently using these new technologies. So everybody needs to uh, be all in on learning. And it's not just, again, in IT and in OT. I really think that this digital muscle uh, needs to expand way, way beyond, beyond IT. And uh, everybody needs to learn how to become a technologist. Uh, to some degree learning how to manipulate and wrangle data through code or or uh, low code environments for example that's not just my IT skill anymore so that's the third thing of, of really driving that, that talent development across the entire organization not just it
2: maybe a way of summarizing that magnus is i mean this digital opportunity is a is a team sport it's not an individual sport very well said
1: Thank you for listening to Industrial Insights. If you enjoyed today's show, check out the show notes for a featured resource on this topic. And if you have a question, send it to our team of experts at industrialpodcast at amazon.com.